Welcome to this week's episode of The Dude Therapist. We have a celebrity guest, celebrity therapist, Dr. Laura Berman, and she is a leading expert in the field of sex and relationship therapy. She's a New York Times bestselling author of many books, including her latest, Quantum Love. She's an award-winning radio host and has her own podcast, The Language of Love. Dr. Berman previously hosted her own program, In the Bedroom, with Dr. Laura Berman on the OWN Network, and she is a popular television personality who makes regular appearances on daytime television shows like The Rachel Ray Show, The Dr. Oz Show, Today, Good Morning America, and many more. She's a frequent contributor to women's magazines like Cosmo, Glamour, and more. And you can find her at DrLauraBerman.com. Let's get right into it. This was a great one. I'm so honored to have a celebrity therapist slash awesome human being, Dr. Laura Berman. Um, can you introduce yourself to the listeners so I don't take away all the uh, <laughs> You're going to make me do career? it. <laughs> um, oh, gosh. I never know how to introduce myself. I think, well, first of all, I'm a therapist. I specialize in love and relationships and sex. Um, I've written nine books several of them bestsellers, not all of them. Um, most people I've had, most people know me from my Oprah days. I was a, the, a relationship and sex therapist on the Oprah show. And I had a couple of shows on her network, on the own network. Um, I also had a show on Showtime, one on Discovery Health. Um, but, you know, basically my work is about helping people learn to love and be loved better. That's what I'm all about. And, and I love that. And, and I think it's amazing that, you know, your career path took such an interesting way. I think, you know, I, I know as a, I joke around a lot, I would love to be the next Dr. Phil, you know, mm-hmm. like a, a male figure in the, in the mental health world, yeah. the idea of bringing um, a voice and compassion from a male's perspective that people might not get in their daily life. Yeah. So to be with someone who got to that level is very exciting for me. You know, I follow your uh-huh. story. Like I said, before the call, my mother-in-law was freaking out that I'm talking to Dr. Laura Berman. <laughs> um, and we're not going to talk about Oprah's show a lot or really that much because I really want to focus on you, uh, even though Oprah, if you're listening, I'm a huge fan and uh, I would love a free car. Um, but I want to talk about something that you specialize in. Well, first of all, how did you get into that world? Because I think all therapists mostly deal with relationships, right? I think that's what mm-hmm. we do a lot. So how did you kind of go deeper when it comes to, let's say, intimacy or sex? How did you specialize yeah. in that? What pushed it, you it flabbergasts me still that, I mean, I totally agree with that question. I don't mean this in a minimizing way because it's a good question, but that question also flabbergasts me. I mean, I just don't understand. I never could understand from the beginning of my training how couples therapy and sex therapy are not inextricably tied in training and practice and in everything. And I think the only way that, you know, I grew up in a very open household. Sex was not something shameful or weird or bad. I mean, it was loaded in some ways and that's a story for a different time, but, but I grew up being super comfortable with the topic. And I didn't realize until much later in my life, how unusual that was. Um, And so when I started training to be a couples therapist All of these couples, you know, when you're in training, you see cases and then you have a supervisor and professors Mm -hmm. and you take notes of all your sessions and they're supervising you and helping you with next steps and trajectory of the treatment and whatever. And, you know, 
uh, every couple I would see in training would invariably bring up some sexual issue. And then I would bring it to my supervisor and she would look at me like I was some kind of perv. It's like, why are you asking them about your sex life? I was like, I, most of the time I didn't even ask them. There was just something about me where they felt comfortable bringing it up. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, wait, why is this like, why, how can you do couples therapy without sex therapy? And by the way, then I went to get trained in sex therapy and there was no couples therapy integrated into it. And then I got even more like, how the hell can you do sex therapy without understanding relationships and all the complicated dynamics and all the interconnectedness. And so it equally astounds me that so many sex therapists don't touch relationship issues with a 10 foot pole. And so many relationship therapists don't touch sex with a 10 foot pole. And I have so many couples that have come to me through the year and said, yeah, you know, our main issue is our sexual issue, but you know, we've been in couples therapy for three years and the couples that, you know, we told the therapist in the beginning, but you know, they never brought it up again and never addressed it. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard that story. It just seems crazy to me. Now that you put it that way, you're a thousand percent right. You know, when I work in relationships and I don't have that many couples that I work with currently, but over the years, the past three and a half years or so, you know, I've worked with couples. I love working with couples. I love working with relationships. And I ask, I know this sounds weird, but you're a therapist. I ask about sex life because that plays a role. You know, I think it's a huge key to intimacy. And I want to ask you that question. Can you define for the listeners and maybe people who don't understand what does intimacy really mean? Um, Into me see is what it really means. It means revealing yourself and connecting on a really deep level. It means vulnerability and um, connection in your authentic vulnerability. You know, it's interesting because I love that word intimacy. It serves me in my career really well because when I, first of all, it means for the most part, different things to men and women. So if I say intimacy to a group of couple, you know, heterosexual couples, all the men in the room are going to immediately think of sex, the physical act of sex. And all the women in the room, or most of them, are going to think about emotional connection, closeness, Mm -hmm. self-disclosure, you know, a bonding, that kind of thing. And both are true. You know, it's a word that means both of those things. Um, And sex, the physical act of sex is, you know, a very important component of intimacy, but it is not in and of itself all of intimacy. And I think that's a myth, right? A myth about intimacy is it has to be about sex. You know, uh, my wife and I, we went through infertility and mm-hmm. I talk a lot about the infertility journey and the struggles. And when we had loss, one of the intimacy things that we did that I pushed really hard was not about sex because the whole infertility journey is about yeah, the timing about. and this and that. And so specific about sex has to be now or else. And it's very intense. Yeah. Um, it was about the other times about sitting and just being with each other, enjoying each other's company, you know, spending time with each other in a nice setting that really is about connection. And that's something that I think is really lost in the idea of intimacy, uh, especially in heterosexual male, the male part of it. I think you're really- Because for them, it's one and the same. And you see this when, when men start to struggle with erectile dysfunction or you know, issues with early ejaculation or whatever, you know, when they start to have problems functioning, um, they will withdraw from sex because, you know, they're, they don't want to, it's embarrassing or upsetting, or they don't want to face the failure. But 
but for so many heterosexual men, because sex, the physical act of sex and all the other aspects of intimacy are all the same to them, Mm -hmm. that once they withdraw from sex, they are no longer holding hands, being romantic, kissing and cuddling, tuning in, like all those things for them are just foreplay for sex. And, and that I think is one of the biggest struggles I see in couples that are going through these issues is that he's withdrawn not only from sex, but from everything around it that is so important to the relationship. On that note, then just to piggyback on that for the, the women who might be listening with intimacy and sex life, does it mean that sex life is not important as much or that it's just a byproduct of the intimacy? It's super important. I think if we're talking about heterosexual women and well, let's just say heterosexual couples, heterosexual men, for the most part, achieve that sense of emotional closeness and emotional connection through the physical act of sex. Mm -hmm. That's like their primary vehicle for getting there. And women don't necessarily realize that because for heterosexual women, I would probably say for all women, but certainly for heterosexual ones, Um, it's the emotional connection that inspires us to want to be sexual. And so what we see happen is what I call the sex romance stalemate, right? Like she, for whatever reason, kids, menopause, life, stress, withdraws from sex, isn't as interested because that's not her primary means of being connected in the relationship. She doesn't realize how meaningful it is on that level to her mate. And so she withdraws and then he not even consciously just isn't as connected to her, not as romantic, not as attuned. And then she's that much less interested in sex. And then he's that much less romantic and and the stalemate continues that way. So how do you break that stalemate as, as your, you know, your expert in this field, how do you break that stalemate to bring them closer and connect them in the ways that they both need? Well, I think you got to do both. I I think, you know, barring a serious medical issue or trauma or something that's really, you know, activated in your life. I always say to women, if you want a better, closer, more connected relationship, have sex, you know, like you might be preferring to get something else done on your to-do list or watch Bridgerton or whatever else. (laughs) But once, once you get started, almost all women say that once they get started, they really enjoy it. And they think, oh, I should do this more often. It's just Mm -hmm. the, they're trying to find their desire from a place of horniness, which in a long-term relationship and a busy woman's life is not as present. So you have to source your desire to have sex from loving your male partner in a way that really lands with him and showing your love and connecting and, and um, expressing that way. And so that's on the female side and on the male side, you know, it's about really cultivating that connection outside the sexual arena. So, you know, I find it really helpful when I'm working with couples, especially where she has low desire or lower than him, um, is that we take sex off the table or we schedule it. So everybody knows when it's going to happen every week. And then the rest of the time, They are instructed to kiss, cuddle, hold hands with no possibility of sex, no expectation of sex, Mm. because then once that's off the table, they feel free to kind of, you know, she doesn't normally want to do that because he might want to get something started and then she has to reject him or he doesn't really want to do that because she might think he's trying to get something Mm. started. And so you take all that off the table. And once they start really connecting that way, I find that women's desire naturally increases. I love that advice. You know, uh, I wanted to ask you really about 
What are some of the myths about love that you've seen over the years that are really unhealthy for relationships? Um, I think one that it's easy <laughs> and that if it's good, it's easy. <laughs> um, it's not the be- you know, love. I think I know, I mean, I've been doing this long enough and live long enough to know that we choose people and fall in love with people that are going to trigger our shit. I mean, that's, so you're going to be triggered. Your partner is your greatest teacher in that. And, um, you know, if you talk to couples that have been married 75 years and some, you know, television host says, what's the secret or whatever, they always say there were ups and downs and it takes a lot of work. Those are the two things you'll always hear them say. And then they'll say something else like humor or connection or the other things they might, but they always say there are ups and downs and it takes a lot of work because that's true. And it's work worth doing if you're both doing it. Um, and it's soul work and, and beautiful, but it's not like the movies. And I, and, and the other, I guess, myth out there is that crap, that line that drives me crazy from that famous movie, Jerry Maguire, where he says to her, you complete me, you know, because <laughs> nobody completes you. And I think mm-hmm. one of the fallacies is that, you know, we're going to find that person out there who, or we have found that person and they're supposed to complete us. And the key is in being to a successful relationship or even finding love that's really successful is completing yourself first. You're like your own delicious meal. (laughs) And that other person is icing or seasoning or a side dish, but not the main course. I I love being called delicious. It's nice. You know, and and I think that's a great (laughs) point I've seen over the years that watching relationships, whether it's through anecdotal friends, family, or as a therapist, when someone's in a relationship to either fix a problem or to be yeah. um, filled in some, some way or another, it never starts off or is based on any healthy foundation because you're relying on that person yeah. to then solve the problem. And if they don't, then the relationship crumbles. Right. And, and they can't because yeah. no one, I mean, no one, especially, can. no one can solve those core problems inside you. They can, I think what, you know, I really believe that what's happening with our closest relationships, really any of our relationships, but especially our closest ones, is that we're really having a relationship with ourselves through that other person. Mm. I mean, that's really what's happening for each of us and all of us. And, you know, as you become aware of that, you can get enough distance, not where you're totally detached, but you can start to see the way we project things onto our partner or the way our expectations reflect mm-hmm. things we're really needing to work on in ourselves. And we're kind of turning to that other person to fix us or complete us or help us or save us. And that never works out. Yeah. And, you know, just jump back a little bit to the, the, the times when you were on TV a lot, mm-hmm. how was that for you? You know, I know this podcast, you know, is recorded and it's going to be out there for people to see, but in those times to have your expertise, on Oprah or on shows where people were relying on that. How was that pressure? How was that expectation for you to like be that person for other people to rely on? How, how did you handle that? I didn't really feel, I mean, maybe something's wrong with me, but I didn't feel that <laughs> pressure. <laughs> I felt like um, I was just so grateful and still am when I have it to, to have the soapbox, you know, for me, it's always been, there's so many people that need help and I can help them. Yeah. And maybe I'm overly 
you know, I don't think I'm overly confident, but maybe I am. I, you know, I do think, and I have said this before that there's so many things. I mean, I'm not a jack of all trades kind of person or a Renaissance woman. There are so many things that I suck at, but relationships, I'm sort of, uh, you know, really good at, I, I, I'm really good at, at, couples therapy and relationship therapy. It comes really, it always has, it comes really naturally to me. I can see the whole picture really quickly. Um, I'm just really good at it. Yeah. And so I think it wasn't like I was thinking, Oh, goody, I get to share my gift with the world, but it was more, I get to help on a grand scale. And that was really, and still is really exciting for me when I get to do that. Speaking my language over here, it's what I feel also. And I think well, I have a few questions on that. How did you end up getting on Oprah? Like, what was that connection? How did you, how did she find you? I how did you find her? I honestly don't know. Um, you know, you don't get on Oprah. She just, or you she didn't. Calls you know. you. She, she calls you. I think what had happened, I had been on once when my first book came out. I think that was like in 2000 or 2001 or something. And then I had been living in Chicago for almost five or six years, right down the street, like could not, you know, I'd pitched. I'd even done a show on Showtime, just never in any interest. And I think what had happened is that I was doing a segment on Fridays with these Jobo and Eddie, their names were in Chicago. And I would go on their radio morning drive talk show Mm -hmm. on Fridays and take calls about love and relationships. And it was just a fun thing. I would, they were hilarious. It was just a fun thing I did. And one of the Oprah producers or a couple of them listened to me, you know, as they were driving places and her, had heard me before. And so when she was ready to do a sex episode, which, you know, was in, I think, 2007 or something or eight, you know, so it had been years since she'd done a sex episode, but when she was finally ready to do that and told the producers, they're like, Oh, I listened, you know? And so they reached out to me you. that way. And that's yeah. how it started. It's so important to just, I, I think the lesson for people who are looking for that opportunity for any opportunity really is just to stick to your guns and keep going and doing what you're doing and putting that work in. And, yeah. you know, you talk a lot, a lot about how to ask for what you deserve in a relationship. That's one of your mm-hmm. books, right? Mm-hmm. And how do you go about doing that? I don't want to. I don't want to take away the beauty of the book, and I think everyone should go buy it. And we'll have some giveaways at, at the end of the episode to, for that. I'll buy someone one of your books, any of your books that you want. Um, and I think it's important. Just sometimes I think we're afraid to ask for what we actually deserve in a relationship. Yeah. So how do you start that conversation with your partner to get that to get those needs and deserving? Well, there's you know there are practical ways to do that, and then for lack of a better term, there are energetic ways to do that. And, you know, one of the things that has evolved, as I've evolved in my career and my own practice and learning is how powerful the latter is. So like with my last book, um, I discovered with, you know, the system of quantum love, as I call it, and we can talk about that in a minute if you want, but I can actually do couples therapy with one person in a way that I never could before, which is kind of cool because as you, so let's just start at the beginning, you know, you want something in your relationship, you have a need. Um, You know, I think the fundamental 
piece is to get really, really clear on what you need, because often we have a story that we need our partners to show up a certain way, or we need a certain thing in the relationship or a certain behavior. But what we're actually wanting is to create a feeling in ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, like, let's just say simply, I mean, this isn't even about a relationship. Let's say you want a Ferrari, right? You know, you don't really want the Ferrari. You want the feeling you imagine you're going to have driving around in your Ferrari or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. I don't know. One of my kids mentioned the Ferrari to me the other day, which (laughs) is why it's on my mind. But, and he even said, we were talking about what he wanted to do when he grew up. And he said, I want to be famous, which I thought was hilarious. I was like, you want to be famous? And he said, yeah. And I said, what do you, you know, and we taught, I asked him like, what do you think your life will be like if you're famous? How will, you know, and it's all wanting to get to a feeling. So I think anything you want, especially in relationship, is to get really, really clear first and foremost about how you want to feel. So whether you're looking for love or in a relationship, if I were waking up every day next to this person and everything was exactly as I could imagine wanting it to be, how would I feel mm-hmm. day in, day out with that person? You know, Because everyone's different. It may be playful or cherished or romantic or passionate or safe or whatever. But if you get clear on the top five ways you want to feel and start looking for ways to not only model things that create that feeling in your relationship, but also doing things that create that feeling in you, then your partner very easily falls in line. You know, so that's sort of on the energetic level, on the practical level, and we can talk about that if you want, but on the practical level, there's all sorts of tips, you know, that every good couples therapist knows, right? Use I statements, don't make it about blaming them, you know, uh, talk, use positive reinforcements. So you're talking about what you want more of and what you're excited to have more of or do more of versus what's lacking, mm-hmm. um, you know, you model it for them. You, if you want, you know, you really asked yourself those important questions. If I want more romance, you know, what am I doing to inspire romance? Am I sitting around with unwashed hair in my sweats every day and, you know, barely showering and then feeling resentful because my partner hasn't told me that I take his breath away lately, you know, maybe. So taking that hundred percent, because each of us have a hundred percent responsibility in our lives and in our relationship. So, you know, that's more on the practical side. And what, what about asking, tour of getting your needs met? And what about, what about asking about um, needs when it comes to sex? What- so sexual needs, I think, you know, are high stakes for a lot of people because it's not something that they automatically feel comfortable with. And um, it's also very vulnerable for a lot of people. And I think there are rules of the road for asking about what you want. First of all, you, you don't want to spring something on them in the moment, Um, because vulnerabilities are high and insecurities are high. Sort of like I was saying before, you always want to focus on the positive. So either before your sexual encounter is happening or after, you know, you say that was so great, you know, it felt so good to be with you. But, you know, I was thinking it would be so hot if we tried this or I would love it if we did more of that or, you know, but you don't want to, uh, if you want to try a toy or a technique or a role play, you want to kind of prep them for it first. Yeah, I love that. I think that's a, a great way. I think um, and I want to jump into then your new book, um, Quantum Love, right? You're talking about that energy. Mm-hmm. Um, can you kind of talk about your new book and what you mean by that energy? 
Yeah, you know, it was it was something I kind of discovered by accident as I was going through a really horrible time in my life. My mom had, you know, died pretty quickly and suddenly of uh, what was ultimately metastasized breast cancer, and then within a year, I had breast cancer in the same breast that she did. Um, my kids were falling apart in all different ways, and my normal therapist, mom techniques of therapy, medication, you know, teachers, whatever wasn't helping. And so I was really at my wits end. And um, I met this um, medium psychic who I was most concerned about my oldest son, who was in ninth grade at the time and suicidal and had always struggled uh, emotionally. And she's just, I asked her I'd never been to someone like that before. And since then we've become very good friends because <laughs> she's quite brilliant. But she said, she told me that he was something called clairsentient, which I'd never heard of before, which is basically that he can feel, you know, it's what you, today you would think of as an empath. He can feel what other people are feeling. But the issue with him and with many empaths is that he couldn't tell the difference between what he was feeling and what other people were feeling. So he was all over the place. Um, and so she gave me a technique. She said, you have, this is the words that changed my life. You have to be really careful of the unconscious emotional energy you're in when you walk into the room with him. And at first I didn't really understand that. Cause I was like, I'm always smiling and positive. And, but then, um, you know, underneath before I'm kind of like, Oh crap, what is he going to be? Okay. How is this day? I'm tight. I'm anxious. I'm scared, you know? And so she coached me through getting really clear and she showed me a technique for like imagining. And I, I, I needed to understand the science behind this, which is what led to these techniques in the book, quantum love. But she um, showed me how to move my body into the, cause we're all just vibrating atoms. That's all we are. You know, we're all energy in motion and our frequency, our vibration is constantly shifting and changing and matching each other. And if you're an empath, you're matching even more strongly to people. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, the, the quantum physics term for it is entrainment. Mm -hmm. So um, she showed, you know, she's like, you move your body into a really peaceful state. And then you give him a hug heart to heart. And you imagine sending love from your heart into his and down into the grounds to ground him. So he was really rebellious and angry and not into my woo-woo shit or anything else. And um, he came home from school and I told him what she had said. And he looked at me and said, you know, I don't know why I'm saying this, but I think what you're saying is true. And I said, well, let me try this grounding hug with you. And he let me hug him, which was a miracle for a ninth grade boy. But he did. And he just melted. And relaxed. And then a few, I didn't say anything else. And a few days later, he came to me and he said, you know, I was thinking like today I was in school and I was in a really good mood. And then all of a sudden I got super depressed and anxious. And I looked over and a girl was at the locker, a few lockers down. And I realized, oh, she must be depressed and anxious. And that was the beginning of changing his life. And as I, and then I was like, okay, what the hell's happening here? And I needed to understand <laughs> it. And that led me to quantum physics, you know, which is really the science behind what we know as the law of attraction or mm -hmm. the secret or whatever. But it's very, it's more in depth because, but it's also very simple. It's something that we do naturally but what, what it's about is really recognizing where your body's energy is 
and where you tend to live mm-hmm. on, you know, what I call the quantum love scale, because each emotional state has an energetic frequency and how to move your body into those energetic states of that, which you want to create. So if you want to create, if you want your partner, you know, let's say a simple one to be more romantic, right? Your partner's been sort of distracted or really romantic. You can do lots of practical things, but if you want to work in the quantum love zone, you move your body. And I have lots of meditations on my website to kind of show you how to do this, but you, it's really simple. Basically your body and your brain don't know the difference between reality and rehearsal Mm. or imagination. Mm -hmm. So if you imagine yourself in a scenario in first person, as if it's happening right here, right now, and you employ all your senses in your imagination, and you're not just like, you know, looking at a baby in your arms, looking at yourself, holding a baby in your arms, you're looking down at the baby, you know, you're, you're there in first person and you move, you are naturally moving your body energetically into the frequency of that, which you're imagining. And so if you want more romance, you start to imagine, I've had so many people do this, you know, what would be maybe something that happened in the past? that's real, maybe something totally made up, but you go there energetically and, and in your mind, as if you're there in first person and you feel your body change, you feel different sensations wow. in your body and you start to get used to what that frequency of romantic connection really feels like. And as you stay in those places for longer periods of time, especially before in the presence of your partner, mm-hmm. your partner starts to show up in completely different ways. That's unbelievable. I, I, you know, I know I watched the Big Bang Theory and they talk about you know quantum physics all the time. <laughs> I didn't realize it could be it could be so powerful for our relationships and ourselves. That's that's beautiful. Um, you know, it reminds me of something I read in Gabor Mate's book in the Scattered Mind mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to ADHD. And he talks about he doesn't use these words because I don't think he talks about quantum love at all. Um, but the idea of ADHD and the the unconscious energy that we bring into a room. Uh, and he was saying growing up. Um, during the Holocaust and his family, um, his mom and dad would talk, would, would be very happy and loving and enjoyable. And he didn't know any better, but there was something unconscious that was happening outside of those walls and within our bodies and their bodies and everything mm-hmm. that he said, he just felt something. And yeah. he, he talks about how that is, could be something when it comes to ADHD and hypersensitivity and the totally. feelings. And, I and, and that it reminded me exactly about that, that energy that we bring whether we are smiling on the outside, but on the inside, we're like, what the hell is happening? Mm-hmm. Um, our children, our relationships, our, our, our clients, they feel that. Oh yeah. They, they totally do. And, and um, I have found, it's interesting. You mentioned ADHD. I'm a mom of three boys with ADHD. And um, I think it's a hyper, I think it's a hyper awareness. It's yeah. that you're taking in with your senses so much more than your mm-hmm. average person is taking in, which is why you seem so scattered, but it's actually a side effect of genius. Yeah. And they're super sensitive to, yeah. to energies and to emotions. All my boys, I mean, and, and in fact, my oldest, who I was talking about when I was taking him to doctors and getting the neuropsychs, you know, the therapist was like, I think he has a social learning issue, you know, thought he was on the Asperger's spectrum. And I said, why? And she said, because I'm smiling and saying, how do I feel right now? And he's saying sad. And I was like, that's not, that's because you really are feeling sad (laughs) when you're smiling about something else. And, you know, he's saying you feel sad Mm -hmm. because 
you really were feeling sad, maybe not even aware of it. You know, and my kids call me on that all the time. Like I'll be minding my own business in the car with one of my kids. And he's like, what's wrong, mom? And I'm like, nothing. What are you talking about? I'm singing with the radio. And then I'm like, oh shit, I was just thinking about this thing I'm worried about or whatever else. So, and I I have ADHD as well. And I do that with my family. Like Mm -hmm. I'll I'll come into the house and I go, what's going on? Yeah. Nothing. And I'm like, no, no, no. So you'll be able to do quantum love really easily. And I can't wait to read the book. You know, I I don't want to take up all your time and I know you're a very, very busy, busy human being. Um, If in the end, no one heard anything that we just talked about for the last 30 something minutes, what would be one or two or maybe three things that someone would want to take away when it comes to love relationship and sex? Um, I think, oh boy. I mean, I would say, first of all, don't that, that love is perfectly imperfect and we are here in these bodies to have the experience of loving and being loved. And it's not supposed to be perfect. Um, if it was, you know, if we didn't have those dark times or those difficult times, we wouldn't be able to fully feel the joy either. And so, you know, understanding that, that love and, and good love takes not only work, but real self-awareness and, and dealing with your own shadows and taking responsibility for those and taking your hundred percent. Um, but that that. good, beautiful love is totally available to each one of us as is good, beautiful, great sex. And, um, you know, I would say for sex, it's certainly about the practicalities, but I think what we're all looking for, especially in long-term relationships is intensity. You know, we think we want to get back to the beginning days of the relationship where we couldn't get enough of each other. And that is a wonderful time. But our bodies and our systems move into a softer, sweeter, deeper kind of love once we get that familiarity. And that doesn't have to be a loss. Um, I mean, you can certainly spice it up and try all kinds of tools and toys and techniques. And those are great. But I find that what people are really looking for when they're talking about spicing it up is creating intensity. And that really starts just like quantum love with the energy that you bring and move during sexual, I mean, sex is the ultimate exchange of energy between two people when you're having, and it's the highest frequency state in orgasm. Yeah. You know, that's what they call sex magic with a K (laughs) it's a serious manifestation energy. So when you start to play with that, and I do have a chapter in my book called quantum sex, I may actually do an entire book on it, but it gets really interesting and intense and you don't need necessarily not that they're bad or you know you shouldn't play with them all the other things that we think we need to spice things up i love that and uh you know just to wrap up you know you have a podcast of your own can you let everyone know what it's called and where they can find you and how they can reach out to you um well the podcast is called the language of love with Dr. Laura Berman. You can find it anywhere where you listen to podcasts. I take calls and questions on there. So if you go to my website, uh, drlauraberman.com, you can find right there on the homepage, I believe, the links to either leave a voicemail question or an email question. And you can leave it anonymously if you want to. I also on my website have a free program called Seven Days to Great Sex. 
So you get a video and some homework and instructions every day if you want to jumpstart your sex life that way, whether you're single or in a relationship. Um, And you can follow me on all the social media platforms and on YouTube. I put up a new video every week to help you with your love life and sex life. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on and giving us such insightful tips on relationships, love, and 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 sex. I, I think it's really great to talk about this openly and to have someone like you uh, really giving so much energy and advice to so many people who need it. And your books are wonderful. Um, and I can't wait to get my hands on Quantum Love. And uh, really, really thank you again for making the time today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much to listening to this week's episode of The Dude Therapist. And it only is happening because of you, the listeners, tuning in every week, even twice a week, to this show all about mental health, relationships, and wellness topics. And really, let's be honest, everything in between. And I'm so excited to show up every time and having great guests. So thank you. And if you have any questions, concerns, ideas, collaborations, email me at thedudetherapist at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram at thedudetherapist. Let me know what you're thinking. Let me know your ideas. I can't wait to hear from you. And if you can go along, subscribe, rate, review on all the streaming sites that you're listening on. I truly appreciate it because that's what makes this thing happen. So thanks for tuning in this week. And see you next time on the Dude Therapist Podcast, because we've got more guests and more great content coming your way.